you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. starting to question the scripture readings that Chad gives me when he decides to take the Sunday off. Uh, last time it was throwing people to the lake of fire. Uh, this week it's, I'll disown you. So, you know, this is, I've got some hard text sometimes. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, in these next moments, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think new thoughts with them. Take our hearts and set them on fire for you in ways that they never have before. Amen. When I was in high school, and I'm sure that you can connect with this as well, the lunchroom, the cafeteria, was a place of high social and political hierarchy. We could have cared less about Washington. We could have cared less about who our president was, our elected representatives were, despite the hopes and the dreams of our AP government teacher, Ms. Hikes. She worked tirelessly to form us into informed citizens of the day, But all we knew was the pecking order of our class. All we cared about and valued was put into order in this room. All the politics of the day, all the drama was worked out in this most sacred of rooms. It had circular tables with a fixed amount of seats at each. You couldn't bring extra chairs to the table and you couldn't remove them because they were welded onto the table. Uh, So to be at a spot at a certain table some tables, was highly sought after and valued. You fought for those seats by your actions, your dedications to what mattered to your classmates and your loyalty to your friends. I won't say what table I sat at, but I was class president, so. (laughs) Insert Peter, Jesus, and the other disciples in our gospel reading. If we think back to when you were in school, I'm sure that you can name the different tables and who sat at which. You know it as well as I do, there was a table for each type of person. Peter would have found himself at the table with the in crowd of Christians. He was one of the seats out of 13, Jesus and his 12 disciples, but Peter is my kind of person. He's someone from the Bible that is more easily relatable to, at least for me. He makes mistakes, and he's always saying something when he probably should just be silent. However, he would have been seated with Jesus, He was a part of the insider's crowd. Today, we find Peter in what I can only imagine as a very awkward situation. And it's quick for us to look at the story and run in with a judgment if we only look at the surface level. Jesus begins to tell some hard-to-swallow truths to his disciples who understand him to be the Son of God. They just confessed this to him three verses prior to today's gospel reading. Jesus asked them who he was, and Peter Peter himself answered, well, of course, you're the Messiah. Jesus responded favorably to his answer and then says, you're right, but don't tell anyone. And then he goes on, the human one, as he is referred to in today's translation, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests, the legal experts. He must be killed, and then after three days, he will rise from the dead. Our translation even seems to work against Peter a little more by saying that Jesus spoke these things plainly. They weren't cryptic or in a parable. They weren't sugar-coated or easy to hear. 
To us today who might be hearing these words with fresh ears, our reaction can be, well, duh, disciples. This is what we would expect Jesus to be saying at this point in his life, right? It's why he has come. We've talked about it this whole life, and the prophet spoke about it long before he was born. The Christ must come, he must live, and then he will die. It isn't a surprise to those who are hearing these words at the list of those he's upset. The elders of the church, the priests, the legal experts, the important people, and it's no shock that Jesus has ruffled some feathers. It's what happens next that is the real zinger for us. Peter gets into his own thoughts and his emotions for a moment, and probably remembers this promise he just made that he wouldn't tell anyone that he was the Messiah. He thinks of his own wants for the world and for himself, and he takes Jesus, the human one, the Son of God, the one who we've looked at for centuries as our leader, our Lord, and our translation today scolds him. Uh, look, I'm not really sure I like what you just said in front of all of your disciples. This can't be the way. And I like to picture this scene in the way that I picture when a kid in the classroom tries to correct me. Me? You're trying to correct me right now, Peter? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> he may be trying someone today, but it isn't going to be Jesus. His response is plain and frank to Peter. Peter has tried to scold him, but Jesus, in front of all of the other disciples, reminds Peter who is in charge. When I've tried to picture this scene in my head this week, I picture all the conversation to have stopped. I picture a room that was quiet. You could have heard a pin drop. All eyes must have been fixed on Jesus and Peter. And what is Peter's response? We don't know. According to what we have recorded in the Bible today, he's silent. There is no response from Peter. Jesus, in my own translation of the text, tells Peter a bit forcefully to rejoin the others behind him. And some translations use the words, get behind me, Satan, but that could have also meant get behind me, the greatest of tempters. Tempters of what? Of Peter's vision of what the Messiah will be? One who fixes the Roman world as he knows it? Jesus tells Peter that he has only seen things from a human perspective, from Peter's perspective. And that isn't why Christ has come. This way of life that Christ has come for, the world that Christ has come to make, isn't what Peter has hoped for or envisioned. So what did Peter hope for? And what is Jesus responding to that is different? Peter gave up everything in his world to follow Jesus because he knew the promise that Jesus would become a king and a ruler, Peter wanted Jesus to march right into the government, take his place, and fix the woes of the world. I think we can all agree with that. We want Jesus to be the one who steps into our world, into our politics, into our hurts, and just fix everything. In this moment, however, the truth smacks him and us. Peter was ready to receive the glory, but he wasn't ready to endure the suffering of his Lord you see, Peter was living out just what the Roman view of denying himself was. He was doing the right thing, living out what he was taught. He had given up himself, his old way of life, to follow a leader. But now this leader is already talking himself about dying before Peter's hopes were fulfilled. Jesus has walked this road that must have been a high to all who was accompanying him. He's performing miracles. People are coming to hear him preach. Crowds are flocking. But now the end is foretold. The dream as they know it will come to an end without the hopes and dreams that they wanted fulfilled. The hopes that Peter saw for the world. 
He only understood his perspective and reality in the moment, but Jesus saw more. Jesus saw more than Peter's hope saw. Jesus sees more than our hope sees. Peter's story didn't end here, though. It didn't end in him being let down. It didn't end with him being scolded. Jesus gave him and all of us advice. Get behind me. Get behind my way. Get behind and let me be the leader. The second option for the gospel reading today comes from the very next chapter in Mark, and it's the story of the transfiguration. Peter accompanies Jesus, James, and John to a mountain where he gets to see with his own eyes Jesus meeting with Elijah and Moses. These were the superheroes. The Bible tells us that they began to have a conversation with Jesus. And my, what it must have been to see that conversation. I wonder if he heard the words that they said. I wonder if Peter heard the advice. I wonder if he heard the plans. He still gets to be a part of the very close circle of Jesus even after he's messed up. And we get the same story of God once again speaking in an audible voice saying, this is my much-loved son, listen to him, it's affirmed again. When Peter sees this, I love the words from the text. We know he cannot not say something, so he tells Jesus, maybe we should make three memorials here, one for Jesus, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. And then the Bible says that Peter said these things because he was just too terrified and didn't know what else to say. He could have just been silent, but... Peter, time and time again, is an eyewitness to the movement of God surrounding Christ, yet he still fails. He still says things that he shouldn't. He still has difficulty of getting behind Jesus fully and letting him lead. I wonder if any of us can relate to Peter today. Maybe we've seen God moving, and yet we still can't comprehend a different way than our own. Maybe we're shouting out to Jesus because the way his plan is going isn't what, would we, what we would like. You see, the gospel message today is the reading described Christ as saying it is plain. We must give up ourselves and follow God's way, for it is much wiser, much more kingdom building, much more, much more worthy than our way can ever be. When God's plan seems unsure to us, and we fall into the mindset of feeling more comfortable with our own way, and we want to lead, we can't. Jesus must lead the way. He has given us an example a life to live by, the teachings to drive us. So what way did Jesus teach us? The way of love. It's simple. Love beyond our knowing. Love beyond what we feel or want for ourselves. To love and live in the way that God has called us. Loving a way that picks up our own cross, our own faults, our failures. Giving up ourselves to live as God's people carrying the cross without a question of who is worthy in our eyes, but in God's. We know from the Bible that even Jesus wished for an easier plan for a time. We find him in the garden praying before he is taken by the Roman authorities. Father, let this cup pass from me. Not my will, but yours be done. What I love in this story is that Peter messed up time and time again, but I'm going to give you a spoiler. If you don't want to hear it, you can just cover your ears comes from the account of Jesus' resurrection in Mark. You remember that Jesus said to get behind him, for he will lead. Fast forward, and we find Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, going to the tomb. And they find the tomb empty. An angel was waiting for them, and he said, Fear not, you're looking for Jesus, but he isn't here, for he is risen, just as he said he would. Now go tell his disciples, even Peter, even Peter, go tell all, but especially Peter, 
that Jesus has gone ahead. He's gone to Galilee, and you will find him there just as he told you before he died. Peter once again gets to follow where Christ has already gone. If that doesn't make a Methodist shout amen, I don't know what will. God gave a special announcement to Peter, this one who has messed up so much that Jesus has already led the way, and he'll be waiting just as he said. Friends, Christ has called us again and again to follow him and not ourselves. Just as he called Abraham, just as Christ has called Peter, he calls us to follow his plan and not the world's. He's called us to let him lead the way. All we have to do is love and to follow where he's already gone, to give up ourselves and follow his lead. He led the way to Calvary for all, and now he continues to lead the way. His command is simple. Get behind me. I'll do the work. You follow. Amen.